Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Maltopia Podcast. For our oldest and most loyal listeners out there, we wanted to let you know about our new Patreon page. Outside of our careers and time spent with family, the three of us here at Maltopia have been working every night and weekend for the past five years, building our company into what it is today. With your help, our goal is to make Maltopia our livelihood, allowing us to bring you higher quality content, exciting new podcast series and published works, and a large central community for you to take part in. As a thank you for your support, we're offering exclusive perks and bonus content, like early access to podcast episodes, behind-the-scene creator videos, and more. Go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia today and explore our membership levels, and be sure to scroll through for free public content, some of which gives you a sneak peek at what you can expect when you become a member. 
from Mark, Steve, and Walker, thanks again for enjoying our podcast, and we hope to meet you soon on Patreon. both a garden and a graveyard of hope, and Antonia certainly had her part in both, if a dwindling supply of the former. The members of her order, group, perhaps even family, after a fashion, were becoming increasingly scarce. Five of them, so far, had gone missing, yet missing was just a euphemism for likely dead, assassinated. Her king had been correct. The machine was coming for them, in earnest. The feeling they all had was becoming more pronounced, distinct as a thing more so than a vague mental disquiet. To her, it felt like coming upon the end of a rambling, lightless hallway, and then hearing footsteps from behind, drawing closer. More statues had gone silent that very morning, the fragments of the lost city that connected them all their king's power over what was his, facilitating communication. She was unfazed by the developments, her life always aimlessly endless, and death, or perhaps something far worse, just a cardinal point by which she haphazardly navigated, almost unconsciously. But this did not stay her vigilance, even if she had chosen a ferry boat to deliver her across the intervening waters a mode of travel almost universally shunned after the darkness. The horrors of land were generally level with their victims, affording a modicum of solidity, if not predictability, to the turns of predator and prey. But the open water was an unfathomable playground of terrors, not to be taken lately. Yet, despite all this, and being much better suited for travel beneath the waves, the Oversapien preferred more traditional modes of moving whenever feasible, abstaining from the depths as much as possible. The boat, the Angelfish, was sparsely populated, with only a light crew and several passengers to her name. She was an old vessel, worn to the marrow of her wooden bones with doubtless thousands of sojourns across the waters both rough and calm, and had cultivated an air of respect for the fact. Antonia slept through the first few days of her trip, walking the outer decks at night, listening for the sounds of submersed mysteries, though expecting nothing so enchanting as the music that laid waste to much of her waterside empire so many months ago. 
Having abandoned her business with Undismuth, she felt surprisingly light as she looked over the night-darkened waters, freed from the doldrums of amassing power. Though there were few who could argue the passion with which she brought her will atop the sea districts of Dismuth, there was a triteness to leadership she despised, a rote fearsomeness she was forced to project that made her feel hollow. The role of master was better suited to those of less rambling introspection, she thought. To be an effective leader, one must be leaden, unflinching within either pole of the station's only given compass. Tyranny or sagacity, neither of which she felt particularly inclined. This thought was of no great concern to her, as the thought of being either wise or tyrannical ran contrary to her concept of happiness, or at least contentment. To be honest in the moment, open to whatever happens, beholden to no fixed position that might ill afford the ability to change as needed. And so there she was, on a boat to yet another lost city, where she might find, flaunt, or squander her fortune. It was the silence that brought her out of sleep, sometime near midnight. Noticing the boat entirely too still, she initially assumed the vessel had docked, the passengers and crew disembarked for some late-night debauchery, perhaps. But it was the casualness of her assumption that forced an edge to her awareness, pulling at the sense around her, smelling blood. It's my turn to vanish, it seems, she thought. She put on her most lavish gown, taking her time as she dressed for the impending encounter. Not wanting to appear any less the legend she'd cultivated for herself. The smell of blood wafted from several of the cabins she passed, and the mangled corpses of crewmen met her upon the stairs leading to the decks above. The method of their dispatch confused the Oversapien, appearing to have been crushed such that their bones, brains, and blood erupted from the pressure. She allowed the hem of her gown to flow across the red bodies affording her a trail of blood, a detail that made her smile as she ascended the stairs. The night was deathly still, the skies clear, the moon plump and bright. Walking casually to the bow of the angelfish, she looked across the sea. There was nothing, save the black glass of calm nighttime waters. A voice called down from above. Your final journey is at hand, Antonia DeVille. After we've concluded the business of your rejection of that fact, naturally. The voice came from a gigantic humanoid hovering high above her, wrapped within a gray cloak, its eyes bleeding silver light. I see, Antonia said. I wonder what my brethren said to you, right before you said the same to them, right before you did whatever you did to them. The creature cocked its head to one side, apparently caught off guard by Antonia's casual acceptance of the moment. Tell me, if you would be so kind, what is the machine? What does it want with us? Antonia asked of her potential murderer. Its head returned upright, a smile likely haunting the shadow beneath its hood. It wants to perfect you. There is only so much you can do with what's been given. You must be brought the rest of the way. I cannot explain further, for that is a truth you must experience to completely understand. 
I felt so much like a cocoon to the power, just a provision of its becoming. And all of us know we are but debtors. I also suspect you're lying about being perfected. More likely, I'm to be unwrapped from the thing I've been given, discarded for what lies beneath, what I've cultivated. So you'll get no quarter from me concerning my curiosity. This is either the end of me, or it isn't. There is no perfect Antonia DeVille. There is only what is, and nothing besides. The Oversapien's shadow began to quiver and expand, losing its shape to a liquescent, overflowing darkness. So, you do understand, if only a sliver of it all, and I would never ask for quarter, nor give it, spoke the giant, lowering itself before the motionless boat and its lone passenger. Antonia realized her chances were likely exceedingly small, as the creature had done away with at least five of her kinsmen, and more importantly, it was the fulfiller of the machine's will. If fighting wasn't an option, she was uniquely qualified to flee, provided the thing was not aware of her portfolio of tricks. Still, there was a dangerous part of herself that wanted to test the floating giant, taste him. Once her shadow encompassed the entire boat and beyond, Antonia gently sank into its brackish depths, the angelfish following soon after. But before she could determine her next action, the sea itself was hoisted into the air. The Oversapien could only marvel as the giant, through some power or another, concentrated millions of tons of water into a rippling sphere, where his glowing gaze pierced its condensed interior seeking her out. It seemed the creature was indeed unaware of her tricks, especially those developed away from the prying eyes of her former captors. It had no idea where she was. She used her killing pool to move between the water that now hung in the air and that which dwelt below, placid and dark. Her watery pocket dimension flowed beneath the lit-eyed beast, blending with the sea around it. She stared unseen at her enemy, savagery baiting her foolishness. But this was no time to allow her inhumanity to get the better of her. Reasoning that her days may well be numbered, she knew what she had to do, but she needed to hear one last time. Antonia descended deeper into her killing darkness, recalling music sweeter than screams. He still had nightmares of the exchange, his one and finalizing defeat at the hands of the American Malsapien. He and his retinue had come to America shortly after the conclusion of the Second World War, when their initial vengeance had been all but satisfied by the slaughter of so many German scientists and occultists of the Overreich. To free them from the horrible fate they knew had been forged in the belly of the Devil's Machine, he led them to America, to smash apart the device with gifts of its own fashioning. To that end, they arrived in secret upon the western shores of the newest global superpower, scouring its cities and countrysides for the machine and its new owners, who would undoubtedly unleash the same hell upon their own as had been loosed upon them. At last, after months of searching, they came upon the hiding place of the Melengen, it had been sequestered deep into the earth beneath the shifting sands of a desert, 
where the Americans could toy in secret with powers unfit for earthly use. In the time after the machine, he'd turned aside armies, cracked open lines of tanks, swatted jets from the air as if flies, so he expected little by way of meaningful opposition from the defenders of the secret place. He would prove to be very wrong. Even as he and his legions engaged the first waves of man and machine, he could feel something amiss, a gathering power, a vast and turning worm shifting in the depths of their collective fate. In truth, the army was only to slow the Oversapiens down, grant the Americans time to make ready their super weapon. Emerging from the haze of battle, a man appeared. Lean and alone and wrapped in animal pelts, he walked past the smoking ruin the Oversapiens had raised. And while a passion clearly burned within him, there was an overpowering sadness as well. It was through this single impression the leader of the Oversapiens knew he gazed upon family. Finding it only appropriate that he alone meet the solitary challenger, he stayed his hordes and advanced toward the American. The world shook perhaps as never before. Not even at the behest of nature herself was it likely the earth and sky had conspired so. In the end, from the dust and smoke and fire and cataclysm, the king of the Oversapiens, Ingrin Kai, the once greatest child of the machine, was brought low. He turned away from the recollection, lifting his eyes to the greater darkness that clung to the top of the throne room, where nameless statues loomed like stone judges, condemning him. Already five of his fellows had vanished, and that number would surely increase in the days to come. Among the presumed dead, his dear friend, Giovi. The Forger of Lies was a coarse fellow, to be sure and despite the moniker, he was also trustworthy, and his company and counsel valued. It made him wonder how deeply the machine's plan had been laid. Had Giovi's assassination been intended more as a blow against himself, was there anything at all he could do to truly stop the hellish contraption? His own plans had been decades in the making, each step of their preparation painstaking. Though precise and careful things they might be, he couldn't deny the specter of the machine, looming quiet and inscrutable, its will as certain as the stars. Ingrin knew better than most the powers the device commanded, or more specifically, the entities it commanded. Beyond even the German Kabbalists, who had been handed control of the thing, from precisely where and whom he never knew, there were other things that hovered about it, Silent forces that drew themselves up from the stinking darkness beneath the earth, unseen facilitators of the machine's will. His power granted him tremendous reach into the secret places where hushed conversations thought themselves safe, affording a glimpse of the terrible things that pricked and prowled whenever the machine beckoned. It was just such a conversation that prompted him to quit his masters and lead his people to freedom a journey outlined in piles of the dead, wreathed with flies and stench and regret. The secret outpost of the Overreich hunkered down just inside the mouth of a massive cave, which itself opened into the white maw of an endless winter. 
Scores of tunnels honeycombed the cold stone, leading to variously scientized horror shows. Galleries of pain and precision that tested the boundaries of skin and bone, and especially the brains caught between. Angren's power, even within something so sprawling as a cavern, seeped into its every stone and moat of dust, such that the stalagmites themselves might have been the tips of his earthen crown. Anything that contained him, and all that thing might contain, be it man-made or otherwise, belonged to him. Absolutely. The cavern was his castle, and all those within, his subjects. He'd feigned the limits to his powers when tested, so no one knew what he could truly do, or more importantly, what he could know. It was a gradual awareness he expanded from the small room he occupied, never knowing what it might encounter, especially since the deepest labs, where his power proved thinnest, were rumored to host all manner of experimental abomination. Throughout the missions he and his kind were sent on, against the allied forces and the forces of things surely not of this world, he generally contented himself knowing that freedom was his for the taking. For that matter, if he willed it, he could have the entire cavern lift itself from the frozen earth and follow him as he went. But he knew such freedom would prove hollow if his kind were not there beside him. With that end in mind, he sought to fully grasp the nature of his captors, and most importantly, his creator, the Melungeon. While the former goal was easily achieved, the latter proved impossible. The machine swore no loyalty to him, offering nothing but the cold indifference of its alien exterior. It was during one such failed attempt that he became aware of the things from below. He could feel them moving effortlessly through the stone to access the sealed chamber wherein the machine reposed. These were neither Germans nor Oversapiens, but something altogether different. Whatever they might be, one thing was certain. They were giants, perhaps ten feet tall and swift despite the fact. He could discern no more of the things save generalities, for something about the creatures denied his probing. Powering their movements through the solid earth with some form of mental power, their control of it precise and masterful, nothing recently gained. He could feel where their collective energies touched and subsequently pulverized the prehistoric limestone, its strength immense if only casual in application. Once the creatures entered the chamber, a shape melted from the shadows and moved to them, something that had not previously tripped the Oversapien's awareness. It was the man who had seen to him, to all the Oversapiens when they emerged from the machine, Mr. Silkwood. He was clearly not one of the German Kabbalists, and spoke in almost sibilant whispers. It was also no surprise that he should evade notice, as Angren was never able to detect him. One of the reasons behind his caution at executing an escape, he was uncertain of the powers that might attempt to put down a rebellion for the caverns were filled with peculiar things. He clearly heard the conversation that took place between the gathered creatures, the signature murmur of his mentor leading things off. The human war will soon end, and our facility will be no more. The subjects should be replaced deep underground, where they cannot be found. Their trials are far from over, 
their trek through fire merely begun. Given this, they cannot be harvested, only conserved, until we can make better arrangements. Why not leave them to the victors, who will surely seize upon the chance to utilize them, and thus further the process? Inquired one of the creatures from below. No, it has been determined that the Americans will be given the machine, and nothing besides. The process demands they make their own way to wisdom. For now, prepare a place for them where they can be managed and easily culled if necessary. Before the faint echoes of the terrible exchange could settle, the three had departed the room, and Angren had determined his course. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of the Maltopia Podcast. To help us grow and spread the word, we'd love nothing more than for you to like, comment, rate, and review us on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. You can also connect with us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and tweet us on Twitter for the latest original artwork and important updates. And for even more about our ever-growing literary world, head to Maltopia.com to read our dark fiction and gain access to giveaways and discounts with our newsletter. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.